Heavenly Father, we thank you for answering our prayers, hearing our needs, and then seeing, God, you at work and through those needs and you answering them as you see best. And Father, we do appreciate all the different needs that have come up time and time again. And God, you have been faithful. You have taken care of us. There's no one better that has reached down, done something with our needs by helping us. And we are grateful for your goodness to us. We're grateful that we get to meet here. We're grateful that you have supplied this place as a tool to minister to this community. Because of this place, God, we have uh, a preschool. We have different uh, functions that has blessed this community. And God, so we're grateful how you have given this. And help us, Lord, to use it for your honor and for glory and for a greater good, for a better blessing. To, to reach our community for Jesus Christ. And all the people say it. Amen. Amen. God bless. Let's stand and sing some Christmas carols and, and maybe a couple others. Yeah.
Before they went down to Bethlehem and to start <laughs> praising God, you know, they're just saying, hey, let's go get this done. Let's go down there and praise God. Let's just Amen. let everyone hear about the 
the birth of Christ. What a neat thing, huh? So, another neat little song. God rest ye merry gentlemen. Let's do that one together. God rest ye merry gentlemen. Let nothing you dismay. Remember Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day. To save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. Satan's power and might, oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy, oh, tidings of comfort and joy. Now to the Lord sing praises, all you within this place, and with the love and brotherhood, each other now embrace. Must all others doth be face, oh tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy, oh tidings of comfort and joy, oh tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy, oh they say Emmanuel his name <clears throat> there's just something about the name what is that it's the name Emmanuel
Lord, we pray during this time of uh, celebration and remembering your birth and, and, pro- and again proclaiming <clears throat> who you are to the world, we would, your name, Jesus, would be foremost on our, on our lips, that we would uh, we'd be bold and we'd be but loving and personal and, and proclaim Jesus, Jesus is Lord. And uh, we know that someday the whole world will, those who believe and even those who do not, we're going to say, Jesus is Lord. Yep, it's going to, they're going to bow and say, Jesus is Lord. So we pray, and we just pray that you allow us to be bold and, and speak forth your, <clears throat> your truth and, and glorify you just as the angels did at your birth. Uh, we would just be like angels in this community, proclaiming your birth, your love, your forgiveness, and your, uh, your care for us. Now, Lord, we just pray for our pastor as he uh, brings a, a message to us. Uh, this is a tough time of the year for many of us, and it's a tough time for our community, but uh, we want comfort and joy, like that, that song says. We desire that and pray for that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, good ev- good morning, everyone. Glad you're here today. So let's turn into the book of Philippians, chapter 4. And if you have your notes, you'd like to follow along notes, now would be a good time to do that. Y'all ready for Christmas? Yeah. Well, I love Christmas. It is one of the most happiest times, or should be one of the most happiest times of the year. I love it. Uh, we get to you know, spend some time with our family, and uh, this year we get to spend Christmas. It's our turn to spend Christmas with our kids and with our grandkids, and so we're looking forward to, to doing that. You know, and, and, and just the, the decorations, we had some of the men um, put some decorations. So you want to drive by uh, uh, the church uh, at night, and you can see the Christmas decorations. And uh, I just love that. You know, see them in the, in the residence, you know, and, and the stores. 
and uh, all the familiar traditions that we have, you know, and, uh, you know, that was handed down from our parents and grandparents and those things that we've done, and we get to hand them down to uh, our kids and their kids, and, and it's just fun, you know, being around kids opening Christmas presents, isn't that a joy, just to see the excitement that they have and, and being there, that's what Christmas is all about. But this year, it seems like the Grinch is trying to steal the spirit of Christmas. So I want to talk about that. You know, God's laid this upon my heart the, about the message. And, and so we're going to do a series of messages for the next three Sundays. And just talk about the spirit of Christmas. You know, there is a force, there is, there is things that, that can take away the spirit of Christmas. But let's not do that. Let's elevate the spirit of Christmas. Let's not let us be robbed of the joy that is there uh, for Christmas. And so today we're going to look at the experiences, uh, some truths that we can experience the, the spirit of Christmas. And then next Sunday we'll talk about uh, the meaning of the spirit of Christmas. What is the spirit of Christmas? And there are several meanings, but we're going to focus on one meeting next Sunday. And then uh, the last Sunday, right before Christmas, the Sunday before Christmas, we'll talk about experiencing this, the uh, uh, experiential in the past and the present and the future, the experience of the spirit of Christmas as well. So uh, you'll be in prayer uh, with me about that. And uh, invite your friends, your family, and uh, uh, we'll have a great time together. And, and once again, we are trying to work uh, uh, with God's help to keep the spirit of Christmas alive and in our forefront. Father, I just want to stop and say prayer for the series coming up that uh, truly as a church and in this season that we will um, have the true spirit of Christmas. That first Christmas, that spirit that was there, the, the excitement, the, the joy, uh, the announcements, all that, God, may that not diminish, but may it increase. And even today, and God, we need to see that. We need to experience that personally, but we need to have that in our community, especially at this time of the year, during the things that we're going through. And so, Father, would you help us with that? Whatever that might look like, Lord, we're willing to, to follow your lead in keeping the spirit of Christ alive. In Jesus' name, amen. In the depths of World War II, Swedish authorities decided their citizens needed to know what to do if the fighting finally arrived on their doorsteps. Though they made maintain neutrality, it was hard to believe that they could continue to do so, especially as their Nordic neighbors got caught in the tides of violence. So they decided on a handy pamphlet delivered to each household across Sweden. Roughly translated, it said, if war comes, the pamphlet offered tips for how to interpret sirens and what to take along in the case of evacuation. The pamphlet didn't end with the war, for more than four decades, Sweden distributed these little bits of instruct instruction on catastrophe until the end of the Cold War seemed to diminish their usefulness and they were discontinued. Now Sweden is bringing them back. 
The Swedish Civil Contingencies Agency is organizing a reboot of the pamphlet, and this time augmenting its advice on conventional warfare with, with tips on how to grapple with their threats of this era. Terrorism, cyber attacks, pandemics, misinformation about campaigns, and other crises. The agency expects to deliver these pamphlets to 4.7 million Swedish households. A spokesman for the agency said, back then the focus was only on war. Today, society looks totally different. There are considerable more complex threats. People need to learn more and know more about how to handle their own and their nearest relatives' fundamental needs for a while. I don't think I need to go and spend a long time convincing ourselves that this Christmas season has some unique challenges. The continual news feed of neg negativity, the mistrust of our government, the sense of loss, an increase of fear, per percentages of depression and suicide are on the rise from the little ones to the adults. Hope for the future seems elusive. It seems that we are being robbed of the joy of the holidays. Listen, I believe God has created Christmas to be a time of great joy and goodness, experiencing love, generosity, and peace. It's a time where, where wonderful memories are created and stored in, in our minds and our heart forever. And so, at this time, with all the things that are going on in our world, let's not deprive ourselves or our family of the true spirit of, Christ, of Christmas. This morning, I'd like to speak about keeping the true spirit of Christmas alive by, by four different truths. And you may be wrestling with a situation in your family that, and, and that, that has the potential to bring you down. Uh, there may be stressful moments to come in the, uh, the, in the days to come that we will face, and, and there no doubt will be. How can we, as a child of God, as, as a church, as a church family, keep the Spirit of Christ on top of all the forces who want to bring us down or destroy our joy and our peace? So Paul writes and gives us four things out of the book of Philippians that will help experience Christmas like God wants us to experience it. You see, I don't want us to just survive. I want us to thrive. I want us to have a great time of joy for you and your family that nothing will rob us of the joy that we have in Christ. So Paul gives us four simple profound statements how to maintain our joy, and how to manage the stress during this season. And please don't forget that when Paul is writing Philippians, he is sitting in a jail cell. He is in some, uh, some of the worst moments of his life, but through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Paul writes the, this, this book, and, 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 and he continues to to preach the gospel in the midst of what he is experiencing. And it's a very uplifting book. So let's read in Philippians chapter 4 and start with verse 1. All right, it says, Therefore, my brothers 
whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. And this is a great key here for us as we're going forward with this message with a thought this morning, is that we are to stand firm in the Lord. Now we've received Christ as your Savior. We're to stand in Him and in His power. And if you have a great need, well, we have a great Christ for our need. This is what God can do for us. And so he goes on to say, in verse 2, he says, I entreat Iodia and I entreat Syntechathy to, to agree in the Lord. And so there was some, there was some um, uh, disagreement going on in the church there at Philippi. And as he writes this letter, he says, these two ladies aren't getting along. And, and so I, I encourage them to, to come together, be on the same page with the Lord. Again, the word in the Lord is mentioned. And verse 3, and yet I ask uh, also, you also, true companion, help these women, all right? Come alongside these women and, and be a peacemaker and bring the oneness there that's needed in that situation. It goes on to say, who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. And verse 4, rejoice again in the Lord. Stand firm in the Lord. Agree in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. Always. doesn't matter what season it is, what's happening in our world. We are to rejoice. And again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. He is near us. He is there for us. And then he goes to say in verse 6 and 8, and this is where we're going to take our four points for this morning. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers... Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Well, you've learned and received and heard and seen in me. Practice those things, and the God of peace will be with you. And the God of peace will be with you. Of course, unless you have a pandemic, or your government has become corrupted, or you have a, a to social distance or wear a mask, or God forbid, we have to go to get a happy meal and I have to say we want that happy meal to go. <laughs> we look at this passage and may say, well, you know, they had it different. You know, there's different circumstances, and you know, or you might say to yourself, I, nobody's got it like me. And we, and we can do that. Now, Paul is saying very clear, he said, and he covers it, he says, it's not, it's not exclusive, it's inclusive, all, rejoice in the Lord always. Then all these things, and the peace of God will be with you all if you put these things in place. Paul is saying that we can manage all the stress that we experience during the Christmas season if we make the Spirit of Christ and the Lord stand. We stand in the Lord during this Christmas time. So let's look at these four things this morning. Four things we're cooking. I'll just tell you right off, you know, I'm going to spend a lot of time on the first one, and then we're going to go quickly to the, 
to the second, third, and fourth point this morning that Paul brings out. So let's look back up to verse 6. And he says at the beginning of that verse, he says, Do not be anxious about anything with Christmas. I add the with Christmas. Do not be anxious about anything. And I again add with Christmas. So as we go forward right now, uh, when we think about Christmas, there may be some anxiety. And, And some people, when they approach the season, it is a time of depression because of some experience that they've had in their life. Their Christmas past wasn't as joyous as it is meant to be. And they come to this time that it is not a very, very good time for them. And they deal with some emotional things, maybe some relational things that, that stir up during this time. Well, simply, Paul is saying, do not be anxious about anything. And we find ourselves being tempted to worry a lot these days. I mean, listen, if you don't have anything to worry, all you got to do is watch one episode of a news report and you will be depressed. It's one story after another what's going wrong with our world. I don't know if you remember when I was a kid, I think I've said this before, when I was a kid, they had this newspaper. I'm dating myself. It was called The Grit. Do you ever remember the grit? Some of you remember. And what the grit was, it was all about good news. It was about family things and farm things and country things. And it was just, it was just such an uplifting news uh, uh, paper to, to enjoy to read. Well, we have a lot to worry about today. And if you don't have something to worry about, well, just start asking somebody. You see, the thing that Paul's trying to tell us is don't be anxious. Because when you're anxious, it overrides our joy. It's a wet blanket on the party. You can't have the Spirit of Christ and be anxious, they just don't mix. There is no joy at Christmas if we're feeling anxious or worried about something. We need to stop worrying. It's like Martha and Mary, you know, one was worshiping Jesus, one was worried about the meal. And Jesus reprimanded and said, this is, this is good what she's doing. Don't worry about that. We need to stop worrying because when you, when you, closely, when you look close at, at anxious, being anxious or, or worrying about something, it, it's a sin, my friend. It's a sin. And I, I'm, listen, I'm, I'm, not, uh, I'm not pointing any fingers because the, the finger that I may point you, there are several of them pointing back to me. Because uh, the things that are happening, the things that we are navigating through, like they're new things and we've never experienced as far as, far as uh, in my lifetime that we've experienced. But when Paul said, do not be anxious, inspired by the Holy Spirit, he wasn't requesting. This was not a suggestion. This is a command. It's not an option. It's not contingent on anything. He just said, don't be anxious about anything. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, a great chapter that talks about this. It said, and he commanded uh, three different times, do not worry. 
And the Greek word for the, wor the word uh, do not worry, it literally means uh, being distracted or a double mind. So when we worry, when Jesus says don't, don't worry, is that what we are doing, we are double-minded. We are being distracted by something that God says, that's not good. The, the, the most common command in the Bible is don't be afraid. Don't worry. Don't be anxious. It's written more uh, about that command than any other command in the scripture. Worry is to be over-concerned about something other than the kingdom of God. It is placing something higher than God. It is thinking that, that you are anxious about what you're anxious about is more powerful than God. And we make it more important than God when we worry about something. Listen, undue care, which means unwarranted or inappropriate, undue care is an intrusion into an arena that belongs to God alone. Think about that. Undue care is an intrusion into an arena or an area that belongs to God alone. When I worry about something I, that I really can't control, I, I'm in God's space. And I'm trying to push God out of that and thinking that I can control that. That's not right. Let me say it this way. When we are anxious about anything, it makes us the father of the household instead of being a child. Worrying adds unnecessary stress to our lives. It only, not only harms us spiritually, but physically as well. And we can be wor wor or worried or anxious about being sick. You know, I find myself several times during this season because, you know, thinking you're going to get the COVID-19 and, 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 and uh, I may have and may get or, or whatever. But, you know, when I, when I just get a little tickle in my throat or, or I have a little headache, you know, I'm thinking, oh, no, this is it. The door has opened. <laughs> I think we've gone through that. We all have. Or one of my greatest fears that I might give, I might have it, my Olympic, and I might give it to somebody. Now, that would be a, a fear. I would not want to do that. You see, worrying that uh, what we worry about, uh, you know, is is that. God tells us there are some things that we're not to worry. We're not to be anxious about uh, anything. You know, as a church, you know, how, how should we have church? How should we do church during the, the unique challenges of the season? But worry even during the holiday season of 2020, listen, isn't automatic. Just as Paul is in prison in one of the most worst moments of his life, doesn't mean that he is feeling anxious. Can you get that, that picture of Paul's in, in prison, and yet he is not anxious? It, it, this could be the end of his life, and there could be a lot of things that he could uh, to, to wrestle with while he's in prison. And, and he isn't. In fact, he's saying rejoice. Worry and being anxious is something we learn. If it is learned, it can also be unlearned. God would never tell us to, to not do something if we didn't have the power to not do it. And he tells us not to be anxious. 
Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 6, he says, says this, he said, don't ever worry about tomorrow. After all, tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And what Jesus is saying is, is learn to live one day at a time, be in the presence there and that day in that moment, and stop doing the what ifs. What is tomorrow? What is going to happen right now? And Jesus says, you have enough to worry. Don't borrow trouble from tomorrow. Well, you might say, but Pastor Gary, but shouldn't we be concerned about the sickness or the, our, the integrity of our elections or where our government is going or is not going? Is, is Paul saying that we should never have any concerns? Well, let me give you a quote here by Dr. Winfred Neely that I think explains the difference between worry and concern. It says this, we should care and we should be concerned. If we're having financial struggles, we don't have to worry about that. But we should be, uh, we, excuse me, read that again. We should care, we should be concerned if we are having financial struggles. We don't have to worry about that. But we should be concerned if our children are not well, we don't have to worry, but we should be concerned. As God's people, we are deeply concerned. Healthy care and concern is one of the hallmarks of healthy church life. There's a difference between worry, being anxious, and caring and being concerned. Worry is concern that is separated from the grace and power and love and the wisdom of God. It's concern that we address in our own strength. It's concern that we handle by thinking that we are facing life alone. We have to deal with our problems alone without God's help. Remember, standing in the Lord is, is uh, having a concern and letting God work in that situation, that need. But when we stand outside of the Lord, then we can get into worrying, being anxious, He's not telling us that we shouldn't be concerned. He's telling us that there isn't anything in life for which we're to worry. Do not be anxious about anything with Christmas. Is there something that's bothering you about Christmas? Bother you about this season? Well, stop it. Quit worrying. You need to have concerns, and we'll, and we'll talk about what are we to do with those concerns. All right? So don't be anxious with anything about Christmas. One of the great truths from the Bible that has helped me when it comes to worrying or being anxious about something is what Solomon said in Ecclesiastes, there is nothing new under the sun. Now this means that the history reveals that all experiences are common to mankind. What we are going through today in our culture has happened before. There is no new thing. As the first Christmas, there was great grief over loss. Herod had all the male babies under two that lived in and near Bethlehem killed. Mary and Joseph had to flee for their lives to a different country. They were strangers in a different land, raising their family. Fear and the unknown were addressed by the angels. So others before us have faced similar experiences that we are facing with what we're going through. And you and I are not the exception. And this is season is not the exception. This has happened before us in different ways. 
So the big truth, there is nothing new to God. There's nothing new to God, what God is happening. God has no dimensions. The God of the Bible, he sees all history, the present and the future, all at once. He knows you are what you, even what you are getting for Christmas. <laughs> he knows what you're getting for the Christmas next year, the Christmas thereafter. He knows everything. He sees everything all at once. This is our God. The God who says, don't be anxious. He is everywhere at once. You can't be where God, you can't be where God isn't already there. He's everywhere. He's in your life. He's in your home. He's in our country. He's in the White House. He's in, in, in the governor's office. He is everywhere. This is our God. And he knows everything there is to know. We can think of the most insignificant and remote thing, the and you know, if, if you were to go to the highest mountain or, or even the deepest part of the ocean, there are creatures and there are things and there are cells that, that man has still yet to discover, and God knows all about them. Of course, he created them. He should know about them. I remember a story about a guy who, who uh, had been uh, pursued by God, and God kept talking to him, and, and people would kept witnessing to him, and he kept rejecting them, and, and he kept refusing, uh, you know, the witness of the gospel, and, and, and the story goes that, that he was uh, like to scuba dive, and one day he was in the ocean down there, and, and he spotted something on the bottom of the ocean, and it was a bottle, it had something in it, and so he, he picked up the whatever was in that bottle, and, and, and he looked at it, and he could see through the glass that it was a gospel track, <laughs> that God at the bottom of the ocean still had a witness for him and is reported that that man right there with that gospel, because God was there, he accepted God into his life at that place, at that moment. Jesus became his Savior. If I stand firm in the Lord, I know that he'll take care of the unknown in my life. Because he is a God with no dimensions. He is a God that loves us and cares for us in such a way that he gave his only son. If he has that love, so much love for you and I, he will take care of us, what's happening in our lives today. So my friend, we don't have to be anxious with Christmas. He's already, already there and he knows all about it. And so we're not to be anxious. We're not to worry about the things of Christmas. But whenever you find something in the Bible where God says that he's going to eliminate something, he's going to say no to something, he always fills it with something positive. And so God says, no, don't be anxious. And then he gives us three things that are positive to fill the place of weariness. So we're going to shift gears. We, you know, we were anxious and worried, and that's being in reverse. And so now we're going to put it forward and go into what God wants us to do. And we do these three things. So, so we look at verse 6 again, Philippians 4, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. 
So with prayer, that general communication with God, and the supplication are those things that we ask God to do something. And so Paul says we're to pray about everything, not worry, but we're to pray. We'll stop worrying. And in fact, when, our, when we stop worrying, the time and energy that we put into worrying, we're going to replace it by putting it in prayer. And I don't know about you, but, but if, you're a, if you're a worry wart, as, as they say, then you can be a prayer warrior now because all that time and energy you put in that will turn it and let's put it into praying about what's going on in our life. God wants you to pray for all areas of life, including the areas that are stressing you out. Paul says we're to pray in all things. Tell God every detail of your need in earnest and thankful prayer. And if it's big enough to worry about, it's big enough to pray about. God already knows our requests before we even pray, and, and yet He will often wait for our participation through prayer before granting that which we request. It's the process of us drawing closer to Him and keeping Him where He needs to be in our life. And when we pray, we bring whatever the need is in God's presence. We are handing it off to Him, releasing ownership of the need. And there is no problem too big for God. And there's no concern that is too small that God won't step in and help us with. So in everything, when you think about Christmas and you start worried, let's just pray about it. Just stop right then and pray about whatever it is that I've got you to a place that you're anxious about something. So pray about everything. And it'd be good to pray with other people about it. Not just pray, but, but enlist others. Put it on that prayer uh, connection card. And let, let us pray with you about that. We would love that, to pray with you. So let's pray about everything with Christmas. And then number three, thank God for all things with Christmas. Paul says in verse 6 again, writing there in that prison, and, and he says, don't be anxious about anything, but, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So we're going to pray, and then we're going to be thankful for whatever we're praying about. Whatever that need, whatever is anxious that, that caused you to be, be worried about, let's thank, let's do it with thanksgiving, in the context of thanking God, being thankful. Someone said the attitude of gratitude is the healthiest human emotion. It actually increases your immunities. But ungrateful people also tend to be unhappy people. Nothing ever satisfies them. And Paul said in, over in 1 Thessalonians, he said, whatever happens, give thanks because it is God's will in Christ Jesus that you do this. God's will for your life is to constantly give thanks for the good days and the bad days, as well as the highs and the lows. We are to be thankful in all things. And there's always something to be thankful for. There's always something that we can rejoice, we can praise God about, we can be grateful. When we thank God for everything we're changing, that is bad that's given to us into something that God can use for good. We take that in as a need, as a burden that bothers them, and we turn it into, God, I'm going to thank you through whatever it is that is troubling me. Gratitude turns something negative into something appreciation and moves our view to what God sees, what God has allowed for goodness. So this Christmas, let's thank God for everything. Everything. 
Even you might be disappointed and you didn't get the Christmas present that you wanted. <laughs> Let's thank God for everything that happens to us during this season. And number four, Paul said, finally, brothers, whatsoever is true, whatsoever is honorable, whatsoever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there are any excellence, if there are anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Have your mind, your thoughts, thinking on the right things. You'll need to change how you think to reduce stress, tension, negativity. That which is building up inside that is, that is stressful is inside you and not outside of you. We have a mind that is a special gift from God. It's capable of storing more than 100 trillion thoughts. What you think about impacts your entire life. And God gave you the freedom to choose what you think about. You get to make that choice. God wants us to use our brain power, that the space in our head, to think on whatever's right and whatever deserves praise. You know, we can watch all kinds of things and put all things in our head through the, the movies, the media, to, to music, to books that we read, and all that, all that can be of, of, a, of a spirit that is not of God. And, and we can allow that to, to come into our mind, but we must guard our mind. Our mind and what we think about is, is like a gate, and we only want to let that which is good, that which is pure, that which is honorable, that which gives praises, that's what we want to dwell upon. That's what we want to think. You see, our thoughts affect how we feel. And our feelings affect our actions. So let's, if we want to be in the, in the good, we want to be in the right, let's think about right things. Let's think about things that are pure, things that are good. Because whatever I think about, I am becoming. Whatever I put in my mind, I am eventually going to have an action, and then I'm going to have a habit. And that's the way and the path that I'll be going. And so it's important to think on the right question, on the right things. And the greatest question that a person will answer is what I think about God, who God is, and what I can think about Him. Decide right now, I'm going to have a good Christmas as I choose to think on which is good. And then Paul says in Philippians 4, last verse here, then God's peace, which goes beyond anything can imagine, will guard your thoughts and emotions through Christ Jesus. Through Christ Jesus. You see, God stands ready and able to give you peace that, be gone, that goes beyond anything you can imagine. Even in the middle of one of the most busiest season of the year in the strangest years that anyone can remember, God still has peace for us. This is God's promise. If we stand in Christ by bringing everything to Him in prayer, thanking Him for everything and fill our thoughts with good things. The great uh, Prince of Preachers, Charles Spurgeon said this about Jesus. He said, Jesus has come, moreover, and not as a blaze which will soon die down, but as a light which will last our day and yet last forever. After the long, dark, and cold night of our misery, the Lord comes in the, in the, 
and the fittest and most effectual manner, neither as lightning nor candle nor flaming meteor, but as a sun which begins the day. The visit of God are like the day spring because they end our darkness. The day spring banishes the night. Our night is ended once for all when we behold God visiting us in Jesus Christ. Our day may be cloud over, but night will not return. Oh, yes, they are in the blackest midnight. If you can but get a view of Christ, morning will have come to you. We stand in the Lord. Would you bow your heads in prayer? So we bow our heads in prayer this morning. Perhaps you came this morning, something that was heavy on your heart. And you were wrestling with, and it's a struggle. And something has happened to you, or something has happened to a close friend, a loved one. And then maybe you're looking into the future of the unknown. It may seem dark to you. It may even seem like it's a dead end. There's no end. There's no hope. There's no way out. Stand firm in the Lord, my friend. Stand in Christ. through his power and his strength that will help us and Jesus is one that knows all about it because he himself went through some very terrible things while he was living here upon the earth he knows what it's like to suffer to be persecuted to have pain, disappointment. He knows those things. And so he is the right person that we can go to and share, and he can identify with what we go through. Perhaps you're here this morning and and you're uncertain whether you're in Jesus or not. This would be a great time, a great moment. I can't think of a better time for you to say yes to God. God, I know I'm a sinner and I accept you into my my life. And you trust in what Christ has done for you upon the cross, forgiving you of all your sins, paying the penalty for your sin debt. This will be right now between you and God that you invite him to come in. Salvation is a gift and it's already wrapped and ready. It just needs to be opened. And you get the choice to open it. How about right now? This could be your Christmas, your salvation right now. At this moment, this place. You can always look back at this time and this place where where this was the time that you gave your heart to Jesus. Father, we come before you. Thank you for your word and thank you for the hope. Thank you for giving us instruction of how we're to navigate through things that don't always go right. Thank you for the power of your word 
that saves us, that keeps us on the right path, that keeps us in Christ and in fellowship with you. Thank you for prayer that we can come and pray and speak to you about anything. And God, you listen. Thank you for the, that we can be thankful in all things because when we trust you, when we follow you, all things work uh, out for good. We'll trust you with that, God. You are in control. God, you will bring good out of every dark corner. Father, thank you for giving us things to think about that are good and lovely. Because every time we think about you, it's always good and it's always lovely. Your word is good for us to dwell upon. Heaven, our future is good to dwell upon. The love between each other, the family of God is good. What you have been doing for us and your promises are good, your blessings are good. God, you have given us all kinds of good things to think about. So we thank you for that. And now, Father, help us to walk in the things that Paul said to walk in and do these things. For your honor, for your glory, in Christ's name. Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand as we sing this morning. I'm going to sing one more song before we close out the service. We're thankful that you're here. If we can be of help in any way, please let us know. We'll make ourselves available. Write it on that communication card, any needs that you might have, and we'll get back with you. So let's sing this last song. some cheer, some things to think about. Um, next Sunday, we're going to be having church, okay? So you just might as well start warming up the car now, because we're, uh, we're not going anywhere. Uh, so make sure you come, and uh, we'll, we may have, we might be outside, but uh, you know, this, this worship team, and we're all jazzed about doing that, and uh, we're going to, we have to put heaters out there or whatever, we'll do it. And uh, we're going to be broadcasting the service and the message and the music through uh, FM radio on, in your car. So you can just pull up there and, you know, have breakfast in the car. Do whatever you want. You can bring donuts and coffee. And, but uh, we're going to have church. So make sure you're here. Don't, don't miss it. 
It's, I, I, we, how many of you were here for the, the last two Sundays? I, was, I missed one of them, but uh, it's a ball. We're having a good time. So we're, we still get to fellowship together. Another thing I, I want to announce, because uh, maybe you saw it in the little newsletter thing. Um, several years ago, I, a bunch of us Somas people created a bluegrass group called Somas Highway. We, uh, we were the hottest thing for about a week. <laughs> But anyway, the group kind of broke up. We all just went our different ways, and uh, some of the gals, uh, one of them got married and had a bunch of kids. The other one um, uh, went off to Boston to study violin and all this sort of stuff. But anyway, we got together again this Christmas to do some Christmas tunes, and we've been rehearsing and practicing, and it's a bluegrass group. I hope you don't mind bluegrass music. Okay. (laughs) So it's going to be a fun evening of... Uh, us doing some songs for you, but also we're going to be singing together. So that's next Sunday evening at 6 o'clock. So be sure you come. We're going to have refreshments, and they're going to be done correctly. You're going to, you know, we're just going to hand it to you, and you go off in your corner and eat it by yourself. So it's, it's, it's going to be a fun kickoff for the Christmas season, and we're going to be singing a lot of, together as well. So it's going to be, you're, you're going to sing with us, and we're going to sing to you. And so I uh, hope you come. Um, We've, we've worked hard to put together some really fun Christmas music. And also, our worship team is going to be doing some fun, some songs together, some, some, uh, some Christmas tunes. So make sure you come. So anyway, let's, uh, let's close this again with a real quick word, word of prayer. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this time and for all the good things that are going to be happening uh, that over the next few weeks as we prepare for your birthday. Bless us now as we go. Keep us safe. Keep us healthy. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.